Good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you. When you came in, you'd have received uh, some notes. And in this church, I believe being fact-based is very important. The Bible says get the facts at any price. One of the facts that we've learned from the U.S. Air Force is that unless you write something down, you will forget what you learn within 72 hours, actually 95% of it. That's what the U.S. Air Force, uh, that's where their long-term study showed. So, on that thought, we have some folders to put your notes in. If you come into Class 101 next week, you will get one of these free. Because my hope is, as I share from God's Word very soon, that you will not only just use it for yourself, but one day you'll be able to use this information to teach other people. My hope is that not you just be consumers, but you be producers. Young people, next week I want to see every one of you with one of these because you'll have been to 101 and you'll have some notes so you can write those things down. So I highly encourage you. Does anybody else need any more notes? Can I see your hands if you do, please? Any notes that you need? Have you all got notes to write on? Have you all got them? Have you all got pens? Hang on. Lee, could you please grab some notes for these guys down here? Thanks, Gerard. So next week, I encourage you to do this because one day, somebody's going to ask you to lead a small group, lead a devotion, lead a, a thought, and if you've prepared, listen, if you've got something else, great, but in the meantime, you can at least start with these as a basis in the platform moving forward. Get it? Good. Let's move on. Okay, we're in the middle of a series. What's it called? Real what? Right. Why? Okay, what's that about? The real thing. Any thoughts? This thing, because I'm talking, doesn't recognize me, so that's all right. <laughs> Let's go. Three, two, one, and enter. There we go. Okay, the real thing. The problem is in this world, we have a lot of things, even like news, and we hear fake news. We have people call themselves Christians, and there are fake Christians. How can you say that, Ian? Because Jesus said that. Where did he say that? Matthew chapter 7. Go read that after. It's a very scary passage. It shocks me every time I read it. I'm going to talk about real heroes today. The ones that are going to last for eternity. I'm not interested in celebrities. Either is Jesus. The Pharisees were celebrities. Now let me start right from the get-go. Gallup did a recent poll and it surveyed a whole bunch of kids aged 13 to 17. And one of the most jarring findings was that 51% of teenagers said, I don't know any adult in my entire life that I'd like to model my life after. Any hero in my life. That, my friends, is a tragic statement. We all need models. We all need mentors. We all need heroes. Why? Why do I need a hero? I'll tell you why. Because a hero helps us shape our lives and it helps define our character and it helps clarify our values. My hero, one of my heroes, in the physical sense, is my father in the faith, Juan Carlos Ortiz. He represents to me what Jesus looks like. And every time I get confused, I just look at him. Because he models it. What would he do? And I get it. I see in his life. I see it in his marriage. I see it with his children. I see how he treats the word of God. I see how he sacrifices. I get that. And it gives me strength to keep moving when things get unclear. Without heroes, it's easy to drift. We can just drift. Now, real heroes 
point to what life is all about. That's what they do. That's why David said in the verse that Grant just read, in Psalm 101, if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to open it up. If you come to church and you're a Christian, I encourage you, bring your Bibles. If you're not, that's cool. We've got your, the, the verses all outlined and up on the screen. He says, I will make the celebrities. Is that what it says? I will make the godly of the land my heroes. Not the rugby guys or the cricket or the boxing or whatever else it is, but the godly my heroes. There's a difference in direction here. Look at that. There's an author, Fred Smith, he wrote this. Heroes are the personification of our ideals. I like that. Heroes are the personification of our ideals. They're in the embodiment of our highest values. Who's your hero? A rich multimillionaire? A great landowner? Whatever. A great artist? A society writes its diary by naming its heroes, and as individuals, we do the same. So I'd like to ask you a very pointed question this morning. Who are your heroes? Who are they? Who are they godly heroes in your life? Who do you look up to? Again, because heroes clarify how to live out the values that you cherish the most. So that you have a north star. And let me tell you, if you're one of those heroes, if the godly will be following Jesus Christ. They will clarify what's the most important in life. What blesses me is my father in the faith when I see his generosity. It gives me strength to be generous. So I'm not selfish. Because we all have an innate nature to be selfish, right? You see, if you don't have any heroes, it's easy to drift because you haven't really decided what's important in life. If you have no heroes, you have not decided what is important in life. Now, the problem today is the word hero, in air quotes, for those of you listening online, has been misused, that word hero, and it's been abused. Much like the word genius. It is overly, overly used and highly abused. All the people that are called geniuses are not really geniuses. And the people that are called heroes, a lot of them aren't. In fact, most people confuse heroes with celebrities. Big difference. They're not the same in any sense. World Almanac asked a 12-year-old to name their hero. And most kids, this is what they, this is what they named. They, they named an entertainer. As their hero, they named a movie star, or they named an athlete. Now, young people, listen carefully. Those are not heroes. They are celebrities. And there's a big difference, which I'm going to talk about briefly, between a hero and a celebrity. Let me explain that. Celebrities, they make a big splash. They're all over the cover of everything. But real heroes, on the other hand, make a big difference. A lot of people who are famous don't make any difference at all. They're like a skyrocket, you know, on Guy Fawkes. You like the foods? Wow, that's amazing. And the next second, where'd they go? Gone. There one minute, big splash, gone the next. 
Celebrities are all about image management and impression management and fame. The image of success is how many people like me. That's their measure. Well, in that case, Jesus with his disciples was a stark failure. That's not what it's about. Heroes, on the other hand, are all about character. We're going to look at this in, in detail in a second. Character, service, and sacrifice. Think about Jesus, the godly example. How do you know a celebrity? Well, celebrities want people to serve them. You know, oh, would you please make my latte just right? In other words, heroes, though, on the other hand, focus on serving others. Think about Jesus. He even cooked breakfast. How's that, Desmond? He was a good cook. Remember when the boys were out in the boat working, he had breakfast ready for them on the side of the lake. Remember that? He had a service mentality. Jesus didn't that back. Even though he was God and expect people like that, his, his disciples, interesting. He modeled. Want to be the greatest? You need to become the least. You need to become a servant. Very different to what the world says. Today, it's easy to become a celebrity with real, you know, all the reality game shows where people have their 50 minutes of fame. But friends, it's more challenging to become a hero. Yet who do we look up to says a lot about our culture. Today, we're going to look at what the Bible says about the three genuine characteristics of real heroes as defined by God. Not the world, not interested in what they say. I am interested vitally in what God says are outstanding examples of character and commitment and sacrifice. That's what I'm interested in, as Jesus is. Now the good news is anybody can become a real hero because it is just a godly choice. A godly choice. Anybody in this room? So what does it take? Let's get right into this. Number one, real heroes stand alone for what is right. For what is right. And by the way, how do we figure out what is right? It's nothing to do with the world. It's based in God's character. Because God's character never changes. What the world says right changes one minute and it is, is different the next. God's character never changes. So real heroes go against the crowd. They are willing to do the hard work of swimming upstream. Against the crowd, against the flow. That's what it takes to be a real hero. If you're not willing to do that, you'll be taken downstream with the world. They're willing to stand alone for what's right. Let's take a look at a couple of examples. I love this. Here we go, guys. Men, look at this. Second Samuel 23. It's talking about David's mighty men. They were mighty for a reason. Here they are. These are the three most heroic Circle the word heroic. It's okay to have heroes as long as the godly and biblical heroes. Godly especially. Here are the three most heroic of David's army. Joshiv, Eliezer, the son of Dodo, and Shammah. They're the three of them. He names three. Now the second guy, Eliezer. If anybody has an excuse for not being a hero, it was Eliezer. Because his dad was a Dodo, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, jokes aside, <laughs> I want to say something to you. Never blame your parents for your own actions. 
for your own character? For your own, because how you, and for, and for your own choices, your own habits, you get to choose. My dad chose drinking alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. He chose that. Nobody forced him, no shotgun to the back of his head. He chose. I chose the other direction. Thought, hmm, dad has a propensity for that weakness. I've seen what it's done to my family. Uh uh-uh. uh. Now, it's not that alcohol is banned in the scriptures. That's not sustainable. What is always banned is drunkenness. Always. Losing control of your faculties or impairing your judgment is always dangerous. So never blame your parents for your own conduct because it is your choice. I could never blame my dad for anything that I did. I chose. That's what the Bible says in Ezekiel 18. You stand or fall in your own choices, not your mum or dad's or your grandparents'. Here it goes. Now, why were the heroes? Let's read about this. Once, during an attack with all Shammah's men, deserted him, he stood alone in the center of a field. Circle that word. He stood alone. He had male characteristics necessary to stand alone. And that's the heart of a hero. I would suggest to you there was a time when the disciples did exactly the opposite to that. In fact, as I read the scriptures, there's only one man and a whole bunch of women who stood at the foot of the cross. The rest had scarpered. He stood in the center of the field, the heart of a hero, and he beat back the Philistines and God gave him a great victory. He stood and he fought. He didn't turn tail and wuss off. Too hard. Too tired, too many, too hard, impossible to do. Didn't entertain that negativity. Notice who gave him the victory, God, because he persevered to the end. Now, it's unlikely that you're going to have to fight a physical war this week. But you are going to face challenges on your character and on your integrity. You're going to face some ethical battles. You're going to battle with some destructive thinking which is tearing you down and immobilizing you and paralyzing you. My question to you is how are you going to handle those battles? Are you willing to stand and fight for what's right or are you just going to, ah, forget it, I'm just going to follow the crowd and carry on with the majority, do what they're doing, pursue what they're doing, think like they're thinking. The Bible says in Exodus 23, look at this verse, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Don't do that. Now, why is that? Because the crowd is usually wrong. In fact, the majority is usually wrong. Why? Because the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know that? Every week, you and I get opportunities to demonstrate character and to do good. When everybody is coming to work late, and leaving early and taking long coffee breaks and stealing things from the company. Don't you do it. Turn up on time, do a fair day's work, and don't steal from the boss. If you're a student, you know what? I know what it's like. My kids have just got out of that phase. Not this next part, but a lot of students are partying. They live to party, get drunk, Drugs and everything else that goes without seeing. Not all of them, 
But I'll tell you what, a lot of them are cheating. Pretty smart at cheating. Part of my job at university when I used to teach there was to catch cheats. And I fired dozens out of the course, gone from the university because they were cheating. Nothing changes because the human heart is deceitfully wicked. When it comes to you, you need to say, that's not right. It's wrong and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand alone. I don't mind whether all these other guys are cheating. I'm not going to do that. Because God will honor that. Or you say, you know, you're with your friends. And some, this happens, you know. This can happen in your home. And somebody starts gossiping. Gossip is when you're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution. That's what gossip is. And somebody in your circle of friends, family, starts gossiping. And perhaps you should be saying, we shouldn't be talking like that. That takes courage to stand alone. Because everybody else is just going with the flow. Are you willing to stand alone? So the truth is, we all have a deep desire to fit in. We all have a need to be accepted. We want to belong, we want to be liked. But sometimes, because that need is so great, especially... If we're not feeling accepted in Jesus, because our distance is, uh, there's been distance introduced in that relationship, we can easily just get sucked in. Because one of Satan's tools of choice in your life will be peer pressure. Peer pressure. And this is not just for students and young people. Adults and mums and dads can fall for this too. So my question to you is this. Am I willing to stand for what is right. Am I willing to stand alone and say, that is not right when it seems like everybody else is doing the wrong thing? How many times did you know something was wrong and you didn't say anything about it? You didn't stand for your convictions and you were quiet. Friends, silence isn't golden, it's yellow. Sometimes it's plain chicken. And God calls us to be bold and real heroes of the faith stand alone. We're going to look at some later. As the old cliche says, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Don't fall for being quiet all the time. Friends, we live in a culture today that does not value the truth. We live in a culture that values a faulty definition. Let me say that again. A faulty definition, an absurd definition of the word tolerance. They use the same letters, but it's stuffed with a different meaning. Tolerance used to mean you can have your opinion and I can have my opinion and I will listen to you and you will listen to me. Even if we have major disagreements. Today, the word Air quote, tolerance has been changed to mean all ideas are of equal value. Rubbish. That's not true at all. That's total balderdash. It's nonsense. Not all ideas are of equally valid. There are some things that are right and some things that are wrong. Yet one of the issues today is Christians are afraid to stand up to anything or any idea and say, stop, that's wrong. We live in a culture that has turned everything around to say, right is now wrong, and wrong is now right. Just as the scriptures have said. 
Look at what the Bible says about this. In Deuteronomy, uh, excuse me, in Isaiah 5, verse 20, it says, Destruction is certain for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. That light, dark is light and light is dark. There were many other scriptures I couldn't give you. I've just taken a sample. Let's say, for example, let's bring this right down, because this happens in my family. This is not theory. My wife and I understand this. And let's say that somebody in that group of 20, 30-odd people just pops one out, and this is this, flops it out on the table and says, hey, we're all going to heaven anyway. We're all going to heaven. There are just different ways of getting there. Anybody ever had a, heard anything like that? Can I see hands? Okay, most of us. That's great. Now, at that exact moment, you can feel. Unfortunately, my family, all eyes normally come to me. <laughs> and I'm trying to just, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you, and I try to put it back to them by asking questions. What do you, da, 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 da. But the point is this. At some point in time, are you going to zip your lips and say nothing about that? Because you know what? That statement that all people are going to heaven is a lie. It's not true. Are you going to sit there and say nothing? Or are you going to carefully respond to that with the truth in a loving manner? Because here's what the truth is, just in case we've forgotten. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's the truth. The world, and possibly your group of friends, like some of my friends, are trying to tell me, well, actually, there's all sorts of ways to heaven. How about what somebody says, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe. Ooh, is that true? You see, because if I don't accept Jesus Christ and trust him, somebody says to me, am I going to hell? Hell is defined as eternal separation from God. What are you going to say to that one? I can tell you what the Bible says about that question. You'll find that here in John 14, 6. The last part of that, it says that no one comes to the Father except through me. See, friends, we need to get very clear that Christianity is exclusive. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ, his one and only Son. That's the truth. And by the way, it is unloving to sit there and let people believe lies. You try and straighten your kids out, kids out, right, when they've got lies in their head, and you ground them in reality. We need to ground our friends in reality. That's what Jesus said. In Mark 8.38, Jesus said this, If, that's your choice, if, your choice, if you are ashamed of me in this godless and wicked day, godless and wicked day, then I will be ashamed of you when I come in glory with the angels. I don't know about you, but Jesus is pretty clear here. There's no equivocating on this. Look at Romans 12 too. Do not model, do not, do not copy, model, imitate. Do not model your behavior after celebrities. On the contemporary world, but let the renewing of your mind with the truth of God's word, he's saying here, transform you so that you may be able to discern the will of God. What is good? It's good as defined by God. What is acceptable as defined by God? And is what is mature as defined by God. 
See, God's will for your life is good, acceptable, and mature. But the only way you can live a good, acceptable, mature life is to stop living the way the world does. See, Jesus has come to ask you to make a choice. It says, don't model your behavior on the contemporary world. What does that mean? It means that you don't get your fashion tips from Cosmopolitan or your idea of good living from vanity or your values from the world or your business ethics from the world. One of the multinationals I used to work for is just being sued for nearly half a billion dollars because somebody got greedy. Notice the next verse. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God and turn your backs on the world's sure thing. What is the world's sure thing? They think, well, if you have popularity, you'll be happy. If you have position, you'll be happy. If you have possessions, you'll be happy. That's their sure thing. Friends, it is not. Jesus was clear. Your life does not consist of the things that you possess. And that's the master saying, that's the truth. What the world tells us is a lie. And ignore what the world ships. So let me just put this back together. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God, turn your backs on the world's sure, fake thing, the phony, the mirage, and the ignore what the world worships. What does the world worship? Money. Just say it. It's money. The world worships money. Be very careful that does not become an idol in your life. Just because you say, what else does the, worship, uh, the world worship? Worship sex, looks, how beautiful you look, how buff you are. It worships power, wow, and, and fame. But here's the problem with all of those. They are all temporary, and, so, and all of them will count for naught in eternity, which is where you're going to spend most of your life. This is just a brief preschool where we are now, the preschool of life you're in right now. The real game is after this. That's the real game. And you should not waste your life, Jesus says, trying to hold on something to something that you can never take with you. It's insane. It's not good thinking. Remember, friends, that your life is preparation for eternity. Because you were made to last forever. By the way, does it make you a Christian or non-Christian? You will live forever. In one of two places, depending upon your choices and the way you live down here. This life is preparation for the next trillion years. And if you live, think about this, as though that this is all there is to life, and your whole goal of life, your 70, 80 years, is more money, power, fame, glamour, you will have wasted your life because Jesus says your life does not consist of it. You're not taking a dime of it with you. So here's the important question that determines whether your life will count as a hero or an absolute zero. Because all that stuff counts for nothing. Nothing. Not one dime in heaven. Here's a question. Am I willing to stand alone for what is right as defined by Jesus in the face of criticism in the face of shunning from my parents or the ridicule of the world 
and the rejection of peers or even family. Even family. Am I willing to stand alone and be a hero? Now if you say, I don't care if everybody else is doing it this day, I'm going to do the right thing. Because I care more about God's opinion than I do about the opinion of the world. He is the one that matters. Only the one, and that's God's opinion. The Bible is full of heroes who stood alone like this. We could have spent a whole series on this. I'm thinking of Abraham, who stood alone against the wicked culture of his day in Sodom and Gomorrah. And by the way, those of you coming with us to Israel next year, you'll see the site, the literal archaeological dig where some of my professor friends are digging there right now. You'll see, you think about Noah, who stood by himself alone for 120 years against a violent and immoral culture whilst he was building the ark, getting on with the job. Boy, you bet you bottom dollar he got ribbed. Daniel, who took on the most powerful dictator of the world at that time, Nebuchadnezzar said, no, I will not follow what you want. No. No. I will stand alone. Esther, that beautiful queen, who could have quit quiet and said, actually, that's none of my business. Be careful. It's not a matter of whether it's your business. If it's the king's business, it's your business. The king is interested in unborn lives. If that comes up, it is your business because it's his business if you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Moses went before the most powerful leader in the world and he told them, you, buster, better let God's people go. He is an example and so are many others of real heroes. What about you? Real heroes are people who make godly choices, not worldly choices. And any one of you in this room can be a hero if you make these three choices. And the first choice is to stand alone for what is right, even when other people are doing the wrong thing. Do you have the courage to do that? Challenging message, isn't it? Number two. Real heroes make the sacrifices for others. Make sacrifices for others. Circle the word here, a very important point, for others. See, a lot of people make sacrifices, but it's for themselves. I know people who are working 70 hours a week. They're high achievers for all kinds of self-centered, selfish motives. It's all about them. Oh, they'll put the sacrifice in, all right, for them. They get up early and they stay up late. Not a good move, by the way. The scripture's about that, but we ain't got time to go into that. They sacrifice because they want to, why? Why are they sacrificing? Money? Any ideas? They want to get rich. That's why they're burning the candle so hard. They're doing it for themselves. Oh, yeah, I'm prepared to put the work in as long as it's for me. As long as the benefit accrues to me. But heroes make sacrifices for others. My mother used to sit right there. She's a hero. She made sacrifices all of her life for others. When we had no money, hardly any food coming in the table, she invited other families to stay with us. And I'm not talking for a day or two or three or four. I'm talking for 12 weeks. 
and we could hardly scrape by, but we did. She made sacrifice when she had anything to give. Heroes make sacrifices for others, not for their own personal glorification, their own personal fulfillment, or their personal wealth. Here's a quick question. How do you figure out whether it's for yourself or anybody else? Well, where, where are all the benefits going? That's a question. Simple. That's clear. Where are the benefits going? Heroes put the needs of others. Now, this is, this is a real step of maturity ahead of their own. Mums do that pretty much universally. Many dads do too. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 26, Whoever wants to be great as defined by me, not the world, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. And the reason why this is important today, friends, is this. Godly values are antithetical, completely opposite to the world's values. And God says real heroes are servants. For example, some of you here may be caregivers. And part of your role is to care for a child or even an adult. Some of them have got dementia. Some of them have got Alzheimer's. Some of them have got special disabilities. Or maybe some of you are caring for somebody with a prolonged illness, an elderly person. Some of you in this room may have taken a pay cut. A pay cut. Not a rise, a cut. In order to serve. In order to serve as a school teacher. I think I paid a lot of money. A tutor. A foster dad. Or to serve in any Christian or non-profit organization. Maybe a missionary. Gracia Burnham last night was a great example of that. Some of you may be a business person who has kept less to give more. Kept less to give more. If you say, perhaps you, maybe you're a stay-at-home mum who has sacrificed your career or a higher standard of living in order to have more time to raise your kids. Maybe you're a single parent and you're trying to raise your children without the help of a spouse. Or a volunteer who gives your time and your effort and your energy to serve in one of the New Hope Ministries. That means that you help here on Sunday perhaps and serve maybe in the children's ministry or the hospitality or a small group leader during the week. But you serve in a ministry without material reward. See, God's heroes are servants. And the church of Jesus Christ across the world is built on servanthood in the early church and today again people like Gracia Burnham who served as a missionary to the Philippines who was incredibly inspiring last night these people give their blood their sweat their time and effort because they believe the kingdom of God is the most important thing in the world to give their lives for everything else is a very second class cause because that's the only thing that's going to last. Now, I want to say to you, your sacrifice, it may go unnoticed by other people or in the world's eyes. But it is not unnoticed by God. And God 
notices your effort. And the Bible says, great will be your reward. The real work of God gets done by unsung heroes, not celebrities, who quietly sacrifice themselves, not for themselves, but for other people and the king's cause. And that, my friends, is true greatness that will absolutely last for eternity. Now, Jesus is the ultimate example of a loving sacrifice because he gave his life for you. And the Bible says here in Hebrews 7, 27, Jesus brought the sacrifice for the sins of all people. Once and for all, when he sacrificed himself, he is our model. He is my hero. When I get wobbly, I go, oh, this is too tough, Lord. He says, my son, I love you. You're doing the right thing. Keep going. And he shows me how he went through way worse than I ever have to go through. The ultimate hero is Jesus because he made the ultimate sacrifice to save the world. Now, friends, God probably hasn't called you to give your life yet. But he has called you to sacrifice and to serve. That means putting his plan and his priorities up front and putting my plans to the back burner. In fact, every day sacrifices matter. Friends, it's the heart that you put into it. Matthew 10, 42. Even, even, he says, if you give a cup of cold water, what is that? To one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. So can you see the focus Jesus has got on this? Even a cup of cold water? Real heroes do the sacrifices every day that nobody sees. They do it at home, at work, in the neighborhood. They think of other people, not themselves. They don't squander all their brains, talent, time, energy just on themselves. That's not what God gave them for. Friends, you don't have to be spectacular to be a hero. Now, everybody in this room who's a Christian wants God to use them. They want to be used by God. But do we want to be, here it is, Ooh, I'm going to get meddling. Do you want to be available for other people? Are you prepared to set some time aside out of your busy schedule for others? See, because here's the truth. The way you serve God is by serving other people. And if you're not serving other people, you are not serving God. Some of the Pharisees tried that one on, and Jesus wouldn't have a bar of it. So the big question is, is there anything in your life on a regular basis where you're sacrificially serving somebody else without any reward out of it? And that, my friends, is one of the things God put you on earth to do. That's what makes a hero. Heroes make sacrifices for other people. The Bible says this, Proverbs 31. Speak up for people who cannot speak up for themselves. Protect the rights of all who are helpless. Speak for them and protect the rights of the poor and the needy. That's another example of what real heroes do. How do you do that? Well, the first thing you have to do is become aware of those who can't speak for themselves because they're all around you. It's just not normally obvious. Who can't speak for themselves? Here's a, just a very smallest Children. 
Often children can't speak for themselves, especially those who haven't got dads and need a man in their life. Friends, boys become men in the company of men. Is there anybody you're loaning your manhood to, in the, in the strict sense of the word, where you can be a godly, manly influence in their lives? Because they have no dads. I thank God for the four men in my life when I was a little boy. When my dad had left, that invested in me. They weren't too busy with their own family. They weren't too busy with their own businesses. And these are aeronautical engineers, company CFOs. But they invested in me, and they had a massive imprint. Is there anybody around you that you can invest in outside of your own family? Old people. We go around to Hetty's place, where Hetty is. One of our senior saints, who, by the way, had her 90th birthday today. Let's give her a hand. It's sad when I go there and I see so many that don't even get a visit from their family. What is that? That's evil. That's selfishness to the nth degree. Sick people who can't speak for themselves. The unborn. Well, we've had a lot about that. Did anybody bother to write to your MP or go see him? Simeon's a slam dunk for that. Go see him. Register. Your, your concern. Orphans. Those with mental illnesses. Heroes speak out for those who can't speak out for themselves. Remember this, friends. You are not remembered. You will never be remembered in heaven for what you got in this life. You will not be remembered in heaven for what you got in this life. What you gained, you'll be remembered by what you gave. Time, talent, treasure, all those things. If you spend your entire life on get, 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 get more, more dollars, more comfort, more success, more happiness, more fulfillment, you have missed the point of life. You'll be remembered in heaven for what you gave and how you served your fellow man and your creator. Real heroes, as we finalize this, stand alone for what is right. One. Two, real heroes make sacrifices for others. And three, real heroes take risks for God. They're not afraid to go out on a limb. They risk failure in the world's eyes. They risk risk rejection. They risk criticism. And again, notice, 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 notice. It is not just risk. Who's it for? It's for God. It's risk for God. There are two reasons why we don't do this. Why we're reticent to come to God and say, okay, I give myself 100% to you, God. I want to give myself to you completely. What are those two two reasons? Two reasons why we're reticent to do that. Number one, this is a shocker because we value comfort more than God's will. We want to be comfortable and we're afraid of being hurt. Those are the two reasons. Well, remember Jesus, we're going to come back to him in a moment, who's our example there. This may surprise you, friends, but God never meant you. For you to live a safe life. Gracia Burnham last night, exhibit number one. We could go through many. But you in your own life. God did not intend that. If you never open yourself up to the possibility of being hurt, you'll never know the meaning of real love. 
If you never open yourself up to the possibility of being uncomfortable, you'll never know the full potential that God has for you. And boy, when God stretches you, you feel stretched. You go, whoa, how much more can I do this? As you go down and down, God will stretch you. God's plan for your life, now let me say this really clearly, will involve some discomfort. I'm just telling you, you might as well write that down if you want to, just so you don't get shocked. It will involve some discomfort. It will involve some risk and it will involve some hurt. I'm telling you now. Remember Jesus. All of those on the cross. Any discomfort there. Any hurt when all of his friends betrayed him and left him. Any risk in that. Oh yeah. The Bible encourages this. Look at this. Luke 19, 26. Risk your life. And get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you'll end up holding the bag. I love that. <laughs> you should go back and look at the context of that later on. One of my personal heroes is the Apostle Paul. This guy was a real man of God and a real hero. He almost single-handedly spread Christianity throughout the entire Roman Empire. Nothing could stop this guy's incredible energy. He went back through all sorts of problems and pain. And if it was good enough for him, why should I be excluded from that? Yet he wouldn't give up. I love that. Many people fold when the pressure comes on. He risks constantly. Let me read you just a little bit of his biography. I haven't put that there, but where I'm going to read from, you can write it in your margin if you want. It's 2 Corinthians 11.23. He says this, I have worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped more times without number. I faced death again and again and again. In fact, five times I was given 39 lashes. So can you imagine the guy's back? Five 39s are, what, 195? 195 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Let's take the lashes out. Separate deal, this one. Rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. I love the guy's precision. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. Okay. Once I drifted in the open sea all night and the whole next day. I travelled many, many weary miles. This is not, oh, I've got to catch a plane somewhere. I'm going somewhere else. Weary miles. And I've often been in danger from flooded rivers, robbers, and from my own people as well as from others. I've faced grave dangers from mobs and cities and from death in the desert. You're going to see that desert next year. And in stormy season from some men who claim to be brothers in Christ, but are not. There's the fake ones. I've lived with weariness. Anybody ever felt weary? Oh, I'm so tired. Or the colloquial expression is these days, burnt out. I am so weary. And I'm in pain and sleepless nights. And I've often been hungry and thirsty and gone without food. I've often shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep warm. This guy's been through what we call, or my mother would call, the ringer. thing is, he came out good. <laughs> real Christianity, the real thing, is for people who are willing to take risks for God and say, God, I am not going to live for the here and now. I'm going to be focusing on the trillions of years ahead when I get ready for that side. What motivated Paul to do this? What kept him going to do all that stuff in the middle of the pain? He tells us next verse. Check it out here. Why do you think I keep risking my neck? I love this. 
Why am I doing this? In this dangerous work, risk. I look death in the face practically every day that I live. Do you think I'd do this? If I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine? As guaranteed by the resurrected Jesus Christ. Do you think I was just trying to act heroic? Not on your life. It's the resurrection that undergirds what I do and what I say and the way I live. Now Paul says, I know there is more to life than the here and now. That's what keeps me going when I'm under the gun. Because one day my heart is going to stop. My body is going to die. But I'm going to be resurrected and I'm going to live forever. I've got my eyes on the certainty of the hope that I have in Christ. Not just on me being comfortable right now. Comfort, friends, young people, is not the goal of life. God did not put you on earth to make comfort your goal. Your life, and this is a word from God to some of you, is preparation for eternity. Paul says this, If we will never live again after we die, then we might as well just go out and have ourselves a good old time. In other words, if this is it, go for it. Eat, drink, be merry. What's the difference? For tomorrow we die, and that ends everything. Then he says, then he says, don't be fooled by such foolish things. Some translations say stupid things. Real heroes live knowing what's coming next. They look ahead and they know. And men, I want to challenge you. Make your life count for God. You may be making your life count for your company or your social club or your golf club. Lay your life on the line for Jesus Christ because he laid his for you. Share the gospel with those who put, God's put next to you because here's the truth. That opportunity will not last. You guys at university, the people in your class, they'll come and they'll go. When you have the opportunity, share Do something, ladies and gentlemen, with the gifts that God has given you. He's given them to you, not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. Are you using, here's a good qualifying question to get right to the nub of it. Are you using any of your gifts, any of your talents, any of your opportunities to move the kingdom of God forward? Down the field, because the end is coming soon and the whistle will go and game over. Don't just blow it all on yourself. Be a hero, a real hero for the kingdom of God. Luke 19.15 is a a, a parable we don't have time to get into, but it is an incredibly sobering, very, very sobering parable about the stewardships of responsibility. The king returns. He calls the servants to account for what they had done with what he had given them. He entrusted them with these talents and gifts and abilities. And the faithful were rewarded commensurate with their stewardship. In line, in proportion to their stewardship. The third servant clearly was not focused on, and nor did he expect the king to come back. He had his nose to the ground. Literally. And he was judged accordingly for his faithlessness. 
and his mismanagement of the king's orders. They were clear, he just chose to ignore them. You should read in your own quiet time Jesus' response to this guy. You wicked and lazy servant. You are away on your stuff, not on mine. Jesus said this in Mark 8. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, not the company's sake. Some of you think the company owns you. It doesn't. Jesus owns you. And for the sake of the good news, my sake and the sake of the good news, you will find true life. So for whose sake are you living? Our world desperately needs more heroes. We do not need more celebrities. And everybody in this room is hero material. Yes, you are. You are hero material. But it is your choice how you use your life. I hope today I have shown you what Jesus wants you to do with your life. This one, as Gracie said last night, Ian Buckley, 1961-. What am I doing in this dash? And make sure it's not a mad dash, a mindless dash. Make sure it's an intelligent dash. The, the race you want to run. Do you, here's, sometimes I look at it this way. If here's the line, stepping off terra firma, and now I'm in heaven for eternity. All what's happened back there, you're taking nothing with you. How would you want it to look if you're back here looking back there now, what you did to move God's kingdom forward? With the abilities, the opportunities, the time, the talent, the treasure, everything that God's given you, even your breath, your body, as a living sacrifice, what would you want it to look like? Maybe for some of you in this room today, up to this point, you don't feel like you've done much with your life. And that for some of you that you feel like your life adds up to one big zero. The Bible is full of examples when God turns zeros into heroes in the latter part of their life when they gave themselves 100% to God. So your rewards in heaven for eternity and your responsibilities for eternity are going to be based on what you did with what you got down here on earth once you came to Christ. Did you do three things? One, did you stand up for the truth? Or did you zip your lips? Two, Did you sacrifice for others? Or was all the getting up early and going to bed late for you? Did you sacrifice for others outside of your family? Those who don't know. In fact, the Bible says, use your riches to help others come to know Jesus. Three, did you risk for God? That's what matters. And Jesus says, if you don't use it, you will lose it. If you don't use the talent, gift, opportunities, then you're going to lose it. That's why the parable says, in the last part of it, Matthew 25, take the thousand talents and give it to the one who risked the most. That's what's going to happen in heaven. And notice the reward in Matthew 19. Jesus said, anybody who sacrifices, is that word? We need to get comfortable with that because that's what Jesus did. Anyone who sacrifices home, Gracia left Kansas. Other missionaries, other people are willing to let go of the things they hold so tightly to. If you can't, perhaps it's an idol. 
If God asks you to give up anything, doesn't matter what it is, would you say, yes, Lord? If you're holding tight, that means that you're still in charge and you're saying, no, nope, I don't want to do that. I'm going to hang on to that. Anyone who sacrifices home, family, you mean I've got to go and leave my family? Yes, God may call some of you to do that. For his sake. Not for the advancement of a company. And family and fields, that means businesses. Read businesses. Read commerce. Anyone who sacrifices businesses, commerce, fields, whatever, he says, because of me, will get it all back a hundred times over, not to mention the considerable bonus of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, I pray your spirit would speak to those who have been wrestling with this for years. We don't normally think about ourselves as heroes or models. But God, we know that they are desperately needed in our world today. And I know that you didn't bring these people to New Hope Church by accident. You knew exactly where they would even sit today and who they'd sit next to. And I know that you want these people to change the world that you've put them in. I pray, Father, that you'd raise up heroic men and women in this church family. Now, why don't you pray? Why don't you say, Father... Pray that your spirit would give me the courage to stand up and speak for what is right. I don't want to be a coward. I want to be a person of character, not a chameleon. Help me this week to look for opportunities to make sacrifices for other people. To reprioritize my life according to your spirit. Thank you for sacrificing yourself for me. Jesus, help me to take risks in faith this week for you. And with a head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer and that's the deep desire of your heart, I want you to write the word hero on your communication card so that my small group and I can pray for you and our staff can pray for you this week. That God would help you to make these three important decisions in your life. Father, spare us from lukewarm Christianity. And help us live the real thing in the powerful and matchless, unequal name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.